This episode is sponsored by Rehoy & Son, big supporters of local sport. Hello and welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Um, fair bit has been going on since we last spoke. Um, we'll be looking back at a great week for Guernsey FC. Back-to-back 3-1 wins at Foots Lane um, to enjoy. Uh, it's also been a busy time in the domestic game. The lineup for the Stranger Cup final has been decided and there was a, a tasty uh, ding-dong in the Premier League uh, a couple of weeks ago. So plenty to look back on. Uh, my name is Tony Kerr and with me this week is Gary. The Prevo. Hi, Tony. And James Fallot. Hi, Tony. Uh, great to be back, guys. Uh, yeah, a bit of a footballing holiday myself. Uh, heading up to the north to watch the Mighty Magpies uh, draw, yeah. tra- dramatically draw one all in a game that fizzled out um, against West Ham after about five minutes. But there we go. As long as you enjoyed it, Tony. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was good. But uh, yeah, I've been keeping uh, keeping tabs on uh, what's been going on back here and uh, got down to Foots Lane last night um, for, um, yeah, another fantastic result for Guernsey FC. Um, we weren't going to wait until Monday to reflect on this, so we thought we'd uh, get you guys together for a pod um, right away. Um, Gareth, you were down there as well. It's been a pretty good week for GFC and after, well, you sort of look back a few weeks and, and it, was, um, it was looking pretty desperate, suddenly there's a bit of a buzz around. Yeah, I was looking back. There's, I think it's four home wins out of about the last five games at Foots Lane. So it's obviously, um, yeah, things are certainly turned in the right direction. And as Tony Vance said after uh, Wednesday night's victory over Hamworth Villa, um, it's good that they're now winning games without really needing to play that well. They, I mean, to be honest, they scored three very good goals, I thought, against Hamworth um, to go 3-0 up inside 35 minutes. Um, but it was largely, it's quite a largely uneventful game, really, apart from that last quarter of an hour of the first half where it all sort of like kicked off for a, just a little while. Um, Matt Loring gave GFC a, a very early lead. It was a good build up, actually. Tom Vodin played a nice ball down the line. Ross Allen took it down the left wing and uh, knocked it into Sam Murray, who should have scored. Um, he almost ended up sort of treading on the ball, I think. It's a good goal by like Clarence. <laughs> yeah, it, it sort of got stuck under his feet, um, but he had enough about him to sort of tee up Matt Loring to, to score. Um, and then very little happened for the next half an hour. Uh, then Guernsey FC doubled their lead um, just shortly. Um, Brandon Wallace had, been, had gone close with a good chance, um, which was well saved by the keeper. Led to one corner, which Jacob Fallet's met really full on with a firm header, which got cleared off the line. And from the subsequent corner, um, it was pretty much the same routine. It's just like Jacob almost out jumped the ball and ended up sort of almost just trundling over the line. But um, it was a deserved goal for him. And then, uh, yeah, just a couple of minutes later, Sam Murray hit a belter from the edge of the area and they were 3 0 up. And pretty much, it was almost coasting to three points. And then Hamworth got um, a really high-class goal back. Um, Tom Bender scored an absolutely brilliant volley. Sort of, It was similar in sort of like uh, angle to the famous Van Basten volley. It was that narrow an angle. It wasn't over his shoulder, but it was a really good hit uh, into the top corner over Josh Addison. Um, they also hit the woodwork twice before half-time. And so I was sort of getting a bit nervy, thinking this we could be sort of under the pump a bit in the second half. But um, no, uh, GFC defended really well second half and they weren't, there weren't really any alarms at all. And it, 
I wouldn't say it petered out as such, but um, the three points were sort of on the cards from a long way out, and it's uh, another good win for GFC. Yeah, a couple of cracking goals on the night. I was right behind Sam Murray's um, strike, and you know, on, on most occasions that would have been the goal of the game. It was a, it was fantastic. Um, I don't know, it sort of lofted. What's the word? It kind of glided into the far corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just evading the keeper. But yeah, um, the, the the goal back for Hamworth was um, was even more spectacular. Such a crisp strike. Yeah, it was an absolute beauty. And um, I actually thought um, their goal scorer, Tom Bender, he, he looked a, almost a class apart for the rest of their side. He, he looked like someone who could cause GFC a lot of uh, problems. And he, he played well in that first half. And then I, I, he just seemed, I, I wonder if he picked up an injury or something, because he didn't seem sort of like particularly free moving in the second half. And he didn't see much of the ball either. So I don't know whether he picked up any sort of issue in the first half and just sort of limited him in the second half. But yeah, they, Hamworth didn't really pose much of a threat after the break. And Josh Addison had a, had a very quiet second half, to be honest. Yeah, Hanworth tweeted uh, after the game that the full-time result lost the game, played 75% in our opponent's half. Difference was two great finishes by the Guernsey forwards. Always an uphill task for us. Struggled to get a team to travel, but we met our obligation to the league, if not to the other side of the league so <laughs> not quite uh, not quite happy although um, Guernsey FC's former chairman now Mark Letizia, um replied 12 of the squad last night were in your squad last Saturday so not sure about the accuracy <laughs> of your post um, yeah well, I mean, it was uh, unfortunate wasn't it the circumstances it, it of was, this was yeah the, the background to the game was of course that Hamworth Villa did come over here in um, December they were um, 1-0 up very early on against GFC and then um, unfortunately their player Tom Scott um, sustained a really nasty injury after about a quarter of an hour of that game ended up with that game being abandoned by the referee who wasn't um, willing to continue that day and I think it's fair to say with GFC having been reduced to 10 men uh, Kez Mahon had been sent off in that game I, I think um, Hamworth Villa would have been very firm favourites to walk away with three points and probably quite a comfortable victory so um, I can understand that they might feel a bit aggrieved that sort of f- their home or their away trip to Foots Lane will result in a, a 3-1 defeat when they probably should have gone away with three points back in December but uh, it's how things have, it's how the, the dice has rolled really Yeah so they weren't too happy in the end but uh, let's find out what the uh, home camp made of it you spoke to Tony Vance at full time Back-to-back wins must be a happy chat. Um, I'm happy with the three points. Uh, the performance was not good. Um, technically, we were we were really poor tonight, and uh, I think we were lucky that we played a team that that um, weren't on their game, and, and maybe we're missing a few. But you know, obviously, we we have that quite regularly. Um, but um, probably the best thing was was we scored three goals, um, but and got three points and you know obviously (laughs) I suppose it shows where we've come because um, and and the players have got to be really commended because you know here here I am frustrated that we didn't play well but won and uh, I'd have bitten your hand off for that about sort of two months ago so uh, but I mean in the last sort of I don't know, six, seven games or something, five, six games, we, we've competed and, and uh, we've been, you know, believing and ex- expecting and the performances have, have given us that belief and expectation. And, um, you know, like you say, we've had two wins, which is what we really needed for home because we've got, you know, sort of a bit of a spell coming up. Um, but um, I think the other thing as well, if you actually look at it, we, we had to um, move the back line around again. Um, from Saturday, so completely different back line. Um, so you know, whilst Hamworth might think a bit of an unjust that they've got a few players missing, so do we. You know, even at home. So, uh, so um, 
you know, I think it's credit for the players that they dug in and, and got ourselves over the line. Yeah. 3-1 um, at half-time, that's how it finished. I know you weren't particularly pleased with the performance, but actually, second half, we never really looked in any danger of letting that lead slip, do we? Mm. Not really. As I said, I, th I thought the back line defended really well. Um, and uh, but we had to be wary of their threats, and, and to be honest, you that was most of my team talk was was about where they 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 could score, um, and I, and we closed that off well. Um, but uh, you know, as I said, when we did get, gain the ball back, we gave it straight back to them, and uh, that was the bit that was frustrating. You know, we all had an off day tonight, and uh, but three points, eh? And that's that's the most important thing. You know, I mean, like about I don't know. So about six weeks ago, we were rock bottom and everyone was writing us off. So, uh, you know, as I said, you got the players have got commended for that. Yeah. And a word for Tom Bowden, I thought he played very well. Stepping in, you know, Doddy's, like you say, a big loss, but I mean, he, he looked very composed tonight, Tom. Yeah, because he's playing sort of left side, which um, is not his natural side, but he defended well. And him and Jacob, they're, they're up against the beast, actually. And uh, they defended him really well. Um, so... Uh, yeah, no, he, 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 Tom's, Tom's been fantastic. You know, he's been one of the real plus, pluses of this season. And in terms of the, the positives in the goals, um, three good goals and sort of three different goals where you had a set-piece goal, a bit of a, a nice move down the left for the first one and, and Sam's drive was a great shot as well. Yeah, they were probably the three best bits of the night. <laughs> not no, no. Got much competition, really? No, no, not really, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, they were three good goals. Um, you know, I thought the second and third came, came when we were having a particularly bad spell. So, um, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to enjoy your holiday? Um, yes, yeah, over to Fowl now. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to pass it over. Um, yeah, it's not ideal, to be honest, you know, as I said. But um, obviously, uh, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of a break. And um, about three months ago, I jumped at it. But, um, yeah, no... Uh, Foul, foul will be fine with them and the group. They're in a good position now. As I said, it, you know it's frustrating. I'm not going to be around, but um, I'll be um, I'll be keeping an eye. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Tony Vance there speaking to Gareth, and he's off on holiday. So uh, big foul will be taking uh, charge uh, of the Green Lions for the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah, <laughs> I suppose yeah, Tony probably would have preferred that holiday to come uh, a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he needs a break, so I just hope he enjoys it. Um, I'm sure he'll be sort of keeping in quite close contact with what's going on. But I just wonder, from the players' perspective, what, what's a better thing, having Vancey in charge or having Big Fowl in charge? Because there's going to be a very demanding <laughs> week or so, I'm sure, under under Big Fowl. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they can just uh, continue this momentum that they've been building. Yeah, got a couple of trips to come. Um, Saturday away at Ashford Town um, and a Tuesday night game at Binfield before they're back at Foots Lane on the 25th of February to take on Chertsey town just a word on the attendance last night 737 that didn't count me because i wanted in 10 minutes late um, uh, surprisingly um but yeah nice uh, nice move from the club to, to make it free entry and, um, and a good response from people last night to get down there on what was a very pleasant um, and sort of crisp evening at foots lane and um yeah i mean things moving in the right direction for guernsey fc plenty more coverage of course to come um on the guernsey press football podcast uh, coming up next though we'll turn attention to domestic matters Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Um, a fair bit has been happening domestically. The Stranger Cup is uh, sort of rearing towards its conclusion. The two semi-finals um, took place 
at the weekend. Some interesting games there. And that was um, following a, a blockbuster match between Rovers and North at the top of the Prio League. Let's start with these Stranger Cup games then. Um, yeah, as we say, the semi-finals have taken place. Um, Rovers uh, made it through 3-1 winners against Sylvans. And they'll take on Verrek, who beat rivals North 4-2 on penalties after um, a two-all draw in normal time. Um, Jim, you were at both of these. Uh, excited about the final in prospect there? Uh, well, yeah, I spent 90 minutes at Portsmouth, which to be fair was a pretty drab game. Um, you know, uh, Rovers were, were great against Sylvans in the league two weeks previous where they, you know, took them apart. This time they never really got going. Uh, and, you know, Sylvans are incredibly limited, but were pretty well organised and they just kind of dragged Rovers down to their level, I felt a little bit. And it was only... Uh, one bit of magic from Finn Whitmore, which got things rolling, and, and Rovers are always comfortable, but there was no, you know, no spark in the in the game at all. Uh, but when I saw uh, that uh, as I was leaving the ground that they'd gone to extra time at Northfield, I pegged it straight over to there rather than go home. Uh, and I saw, Any I saw <laughs> and I saw brilliant uh, fifteen minutes of uh, of extra time, uh, and uh, and then going on to penalties. You know, it was it was great. I mean, what a transformation! Lovely afternoon on Saturday. Portsmouth an absolute pitch, and the pitch is in brilliant condition. Uh, Northfield, no disrespect to anybody, but it's a ploughed field, uh, and and you had uh, two teams uh, churning up and down on it really you know and you could kind of sense nobody wanted extra time but everybody was giving their all and it was you know you know fatigued football but but all the more gripping for that um in both sides had chances i'd say probably on balance rec actually finished the game marginally stronger and uh you know it was there were no goals in that period but it was it was exciting there could have been goals for sure and then it went to penalties and the the penalty shootout the keepers uh, on fire as well three uh, three saves uh, until Sam Lahuri stepped up to uh, take uh, wreck, yeah, and perhaps a little bit surprisingly uh, into the final. But a fair play to them. It was it was you know it was good, entertaining, honest, uh, honest game. So uh, yeah, well, well worth uh, my diversion. Yeah, we've obviously spoken a bit about the project underway at Verrek. Obviously, a lot of changes there um, heading into this season, and uh, yeah, a bit of a bonus for them to have a, a cup final to look forward to sooner rather than later. Well, I've got to say what what I've seen in in recent games, you know, and I've spoken about this previously about how. Now, when you consider inter island football how jersey teams always look like you know like they have a plan and people play to the plan and and you know you know the players know what they're doing actually i think you're starting to see that coming into guernsey football at the at the sharper end of it as well you know um i would have said wreck uh, you know, quite a different team to the one that played in the in the stranger, but you know there were there were they seemed to have a plan, and when they had to make an enforced substitution through injury later on, you know, just shuffle things around a little bit. But you know, they they looked good, um, as as did North, you know, more so perhaps in the in the game against Rovers and Rovers as well. You know, actually, you know, in terms of consistency of squad, you know, the team that they put out week after week is, you know, unbelievable. It just shows how success breeds success and breeds desire of people to want to play. It's amazing how you know, people always want to turn up for a team that's top of the league where perhaps they aren't so keen for a team that's um, that's at the bottom of the league. And and Saints, you know, have always kind of been well organised uh, uh, as well. So it's really, you know, I think you're starting to see the benefits of uh, of, of training and cohesion within the, um, within the squads. Yeah, and they'll take on Rovers uh, in that Stranger Cup final on the 1st of March at Blanche Pierre Lane. Um, as that response to to what we were talking about the other week, that the, the Stranger Cup final should be played kind of almost straight away rather than at the end of the season. 
I mean, this this podcast <laughs> this podcast is is uh, clearly in, well, clearly in demand because I've had people moaning at me at games uh, saying, "Where's the pod?" When uh, in your absence, Tony. But uh, yeah, maybe we've got hidden influence that we didn't know yeah. about. But well, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's great to get that game played in a relatively short time frame it makes absolute sense you know rather than we have the semi-finals and wait three months for the finals so yeah let's get it on yeah it's a standalone occasion that should be uh, one to look forward to in a couple of weeks um you mentioned north there obviously an interesting uh week or so for them uh, coming off the back of that uh, 5-4 defeat um down at Portsmouth against Rovers um in in that top of the table clash uh, in the Prio League um was the game as good as the scoreline suggests yeah it was uh you know nine goals and frankly nine cracking goals as well you know and all within the first hour uh and then in well, I'm not going to talk through it there but um I, what I want to say first in this game is fair play to north you know that's a team that has rather like Rovers did last year have kind of lost almost half a team to GFC this season right and yet they turn up there uh, and and what a, what a performance they gave you know they, they they never lie down and die north you know and you've got to respect that uh, I thought that they were uh, if not quite excellent I mean neither side was truly excellent but but it was just thoroughly entertaining um but you know i think people like simon marley they, they never know when they're beating those kind of guys you know and uh you know and it was simon frankly who kind of i felt really drove uh north on in in the second half and they were four two down at half time rovers just been absolutely ruthless in front of goal i mean every single chance bang you know um lee already had no chance um but Simon Marley scored the goal, what, on about 57 minutes, took it back to 4-3. And within a minute, Dave Rio had made it four. And I was just thinking, you know, Gareth mentioned a few weeks ago about, you know, how watching Dave is always a pleasure. And I was thinking, he hasn't done anything in this game, to be honest. <laughs> and then he picks up a loose ball, 25 yards from goal, and on the half volley, absolutely pinged it. And it went ping off the uh, right-hand post and into the uh, far corner, the, the other side of the net. You know, abs- what a quality goal. And North scoring twice in, in a minute. And you're thinking, blow it, this game has changed now. Uh, and then Finn Whitmore, sorry I mentioned him again, but, you know, he then uh, robs the defender, 40 yards from goal, runs straight through, you know, was always going to score kind of thing. And um, so, you know, with two minutes after that, goes back to 5-4. Uh, and that's where, remarkably, the game stayed. I mean, that was an hour and you'd seen nine goals, all great goals. And then we get that um, position after that. I mean, you, you can't say that Rovers didn't deserve to win in the end. I mean, in that final half an hour, they hit the bar twice, they hit the post and they had two goals ruled out for offside. So, you know, um, though, to be fair, I mean, you know, North always were a threat right to the final whistle so it was a cracking game great advert for uh for the prio yeah enough action to last a season by the sounds of it um yeah awesome stuff and and the way things are standing then heading into um what is another big game for north and saints on friday night in northfield those two sides uh, second and third um meeting um with a few points between them and rovers at the top uh how significant is this one in terms of uh, the way the title is going to uh, be decided so rovers north we said was a massive game certainly for you know and gareth i remember said uh, if north lose then they're out of it and frankly you know it looks more or less like they are now however so th- this is a, a really big game really big game for saints frankly you know if they they need to win to to put serious pressure on, on Rovers and if they do then the pressure really is on because effectively there's only one 
game left between the two teams at the top, which is Rovers against Saints in a few weeks' time. And uh, that will effectively become another winner-takes-all, but it could actually literally be winner-takes-all. I think Rovers have got six games to go. If they win all six, they are champions. But if they don't, and what Saints have got eight games left, if Saints were to win all eight, then they are the champions. And you know, you've know you got this mix-up now where in previous years, you've had almost a playoff at the end of the season where you know, the, the leading sides haven't met each other and then they end up playing each other in the season. That's not the case this year. So there's just this one or these two big games left. And after that, people are just playing league games. So, you know, potentially you'd think, well, there shouldn't be any banana skins for, for the top two, top three, but there might well be, you know, so you just don't really know. It's a having to go eight games unbeaten to finish or win eight games in a row or six games in a row or whatever is quite a long way to go at the end of the season. So, you know, or, you know, you might look at the opposition thinking we can do that. And of course they would think they we can do that, but it all takes its toll. And uh, yeah, so I think it's kind of gripping in a slightly different way this year. Yeah, it's set up pretty nicely. Yeah, I mean, just as a one-off game, North v Saints this season has produced a couple of absolute crackers. I mean, I think it was the Martinet game that uh, Saints won. And then the first week of the season, North then gave them a, a really good seeing in seeing to in the um, Prio game in the end. I mean, that was when Dom Yeoman, I think, scored within about a minute of the, the game. And North went on to win with Brandon Wallace scoring that belter of a goal. That so just as a one-off game, it's got great promise. But I think you're right, Jim, in the, in the overall scheme of things... So looking at it as a neutral, I think you almost need Saints to win just to keep that title race really tight. I mean, if if it was a draw, Rovers would be quite happy with the draw, I'm sure, between the two of them. It wouldn't rule Saints out because they've got to play Rovers yet as well. But I think ideally, because North, unfortunately for them, came out on the wrong end of that nine-goal thriller, for the... Yeah, like I say, for the neutral, I think a Saints win is really what's needed for the rest of the for the rest of the season, almost just to keep um, the the title race on on tenterhooks. Really, it's been a fantastic kind of turnaround for Saints from where they sort of started the season really um, struggling, and obviously a big change off the field. Um, I mean, how impressed have you been, Jim, with the way they've kind of stuck at it? And Jason Lehman, who's coming as um, as head coach, uh, who in fact you can read a full interview with um, in Friday's uh, Guernsey Press. Um, yeah, he's sort of studied the ship and, uh, and and got them marching in the right direction again yeah i mean I, I, you know i don't know uh jason at all but uh and, and to be honest, i haven't seen very much of saints uh, over the past few months but uh he clearly has uh made a difference and i think some of the so george mason returning has definitely made a difference but it, it just you know seems a bit of a, a spring in the step at uh, blanche pierre lane so uh, they you know and they know how to <laughs> how to go unbeaten they know about the um winning runs they know about winning trophies so um yeah potentially they, they they do hold several cards yeah set up very nicely um friday night 7 30 at northfield tomorrow night in fact um so i'm sure there'll be a few turning out for that one uh, elsewhere this weekend on saturday rangers uh, welcome bells sylvans against alderney and wreck uh, against rovers uh, i mean you know we've spoken a lot about rovers obviously um wreck presumably be quite knackered after that um uh, that extended uh, run out in the uh, strange cup semi-final but is that potentially a tricky one do you think for rovers well i mean it's their Apart from the Saints game, it's the it's the game against their highest rank. The game they've got left against their highest ranked opponent, 
uh, Rec being fourth in the league. So, but you'd argue none of these games are uh, are easy for Rovers. They've got to do a job uh, every single time. So it will be interesting. I'd just like to uh, mention uh, Rangers, if uh, if we may. It seems that they've. Um, yeah, I know you've beaten Alderney twice and clearly Alderney are having some uh, difficulties at the moment. But you just kind of feel maybe that things are starting to gel a little bit at um, uh, for, for Rangers. Um, you know, they seem... One thing they're able to do is score goals. And, and a team that can score goals, even if you can't keep them out the other end, you're always in with a chance in the game. If you can't score goals and the team knows it, and you eventually you can set yourself up to defend as long as you like, but the minute you concede, you know it's game over. But Rangers you know, clearly have goals in them, and they don't necessarily know that it's game over. So, you know, they're climbing the table. I would um, be interested if, you know, they've got young players um, coming through. You know, potentially they, they could be starting to build something there. And I think if they got a couple of the players that they were hoping to secure last summer this summer you know maybe they could start to you know really make some make some progress and i think that would be good for the game nobody wants to see uh, somebody you know um cut adrift at the bottom for uh, for years and years yeah, it was never going to be an overnight job, was it? And um, yeah, it's a few months into the season, uh, things taking shape. Rangers are up to sixth in the table, five wins now um, this season. Um, so yeah, uh, things looking uh, pretty enticing in the FNB Pre League heading into the weekend. Um, also, we're going to be keeping an eye on Mayor Letizia, who's away um, with the Lionesses, or has been for a few days and will be for the next few days as well, because the Arnold Clark Cup kicks off um, tonight. The Lionesses have got three fixtures. Um, do you think we'll see any uh, of Mayor on the pitch? like we did in Spain at the end of last year? I think over the course of the the tournament, you might well see a sort of introduced. I'm, I'm, I'd imagine with, with it being a World Cup year, they'll now try and get their first 11 settled and they'll probably start with their strongest side. Um, obviously, they've got Captain Leah Williamson back, so that's a, a big plus for the Lionesses, but it probably means there's one less place for, for Mayer to fight for in the starting 11. Um just one thing on Mayer and, and the rest of the Lionesses, they, um, they've, during this week, they've been presented with what they call their legacy caps, which is their, is their number of what, when they played for England. And um, I'm sure the quiz question will come in years to come in, in local quizzes, but um, Mayer is 226 for England Lionesses. So um, hopefully she adds to her, the one cap she's won with many over the, the years to come. But uh, yeah, hopefully she just makes a, a good impression over these next three games. Um, and, I mean, the the big carrot is obviously getting into that World Cup squad for, for Australia in the summer. Maya's going to be coming off the bench. Perhaps it would be nice to see her playing in different roles, not just as a reserve centre-back. You know, she was able to go and prove herself with 30 minutes at right-back or in holding midfield or something. Well, she made her debut at right-back. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's that versatility... Mm-hmm that's probably going to, you know, if you're not a guaranteed starter, it's that kind of versatility to yeah. get your place in the squad, isn't it? So to be able to show that at uh, at international level mm-hmm. won't uh, won't do her prospects any harm. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, she she played against Norway, started at right-back. She actually finished at centre-back that day. England have got one of the, the best players in the world at right-back in Lucy Bronze when, when she's fit and available and she's involved in this squad. Um, obviously, the captain's back. Millie Bright is outstanding at centre-back. And so... Um, You've, you've got, they've got pretty much nailed down started in those positions, uh, but Mayer could quite easily step into probably one of four or five roles, or probably anywhere along the back line, and also, like you say, a holding midfield role. She can she'd be certainly capable of doing it. Um, and yeah, when it comes to World Cup squads, you need that versatility. Um, 
and so I'd, I'd sort of give her a decent chance of getting in. I mean, it was uh, it was perhaps it might have seemed a bit ahead of time in November when she was included in that squad, but she seems to be almost nailed on to get in these things now. It was no surprise to see her uh, pick for the Arnold Clark Cup. So um, yeah, fingers crossed she does get on and. Maybe it'll be at uh, Ashton Gate where Alex Scott's been making his name so well for Bristol City. So, uh, yeah, it's a big week for Mayor. Yeah, absolutely. They face Belgium um, next Wednesday at Ashton Gate. Um, it's South Korea tonight and then Italy um, in Coventry on Sunday. Um, yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on it and see uh, see whether she gets on. Um, I think that's just about it from us for this week. We'll be back on Monday and uh, back in our usual Monday slot for the rest of the season. Lots to look forward to, lots to talk about. Um, cheers, guys. If you're not already, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. It's the place to go on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, pick up um, a copy of the Guernsey Press six days a week for the very best local football coverage. Um, that's it for now. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Danny. Cheers. 